the scenes with Smashville's favorite team. This is the Preds Official Podcast with Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer. Now on 102.5 and 106.3 The Game and NashvillePredators.com. It's time for another Predators Official Podcast. The POP is alive and well. Darren McFarland, Kara Hammer. I say it every episode because I still get excited. Kara, they asked us back for another one. Can you believe it? Here we are, Darren. And we have, and we have like breaking news coming up today with Stu Grepson, which is totally awesome. We do. Boy, you just jumped right into the breaking news. We should have hit the breaking news I sounder, was so right? excited about it. We are going to talk to Stu Grepson, former Predator, the Grim Reaper. Of course, his book that came out. Uh, he was a part of the broadcast team for many years. Now he's with the NHL Network. He is going to join us in a bit. And Stu is awesome. But he's got a little nugget that everybody needs to hear, right? That's coming up in early December. I mean, it's like a really cool nugget. I was sitting there thinking about, wouldn't that be cool if we were able, like, just think, put ourselves in his shoes. Wouldn't that be awesome to be a part of? And we won't let the cat out of the bag, but. Well, and I feel like, like the people that are into this, like they're super into it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's some diehards out there that are going to be so excited about this. Yes. And the hint is he is going to be a part of the longest running television show i think in the history of television i believe i believe that's right but we'll get into that in just a bit that is quite the tease for everybody to stay with us this is going to be good but right now let's head out to denver colorado emma lingan the predators beat reporter is with us and uh she joined us last week she's still on the road kara and emma have you run out of clothes? I mean, I asked you about the packing last time. I mean, this you must have you must feel like you've been on the road for weeks. I do. You know, I was actually just commenting to someone yesterday that, you know, it's crazy. We started this trip in Edmonton and that feels like it was months ago. <laughs> um, and it, it just feels like a totally different trip. But yes, we're we're on the home stretch here. We've uh, spanned a couple different, obviously, couple countries, couple climates. Um, it's definitely felt like a long trip. So we know it did not go the Predators' way. They obviously dug themselves a huge hole in the first period. They did the same thing in Vancouver, but they were able to dig out of it and come out on the other side. They were unable to dig out uh, last night against the Kraken. The Kraken are red hot. That's five in a row. But you were a part of the atmosphere. I think I asked you – the yesterday on the radio leading up to that game what what is year two like you you experienced it Karen and I are watching it from afar I mean are they all in on this Kraken team and what was the you know what was the crowd what was the atmosphere like at Climate Pledge Arena I I was thinking that I was very impressed by by the atmosphere there especially for it being you know a Tuesday night game uh you know out of division uh opponent you know i wasn't necessarily sure how it would go but i mean the crowd was really loud it's obviously a great facility it's brand new um but they really drew well and the fans really got into it and it definitely seems like they're they're all in on on this team and and like you said credit to the kraken because they've this is not the same Kraken team that we saw last year. Um, they've definitely, they made some off season moves. They kind of went all in on, you know, developing and, and younger guys and their special teams are really good. And their starting goalie was, 
you know, hurt, but they've had a red hot backup goalie too. So, I mean, everything's kind of going their way. So we got to give credit to them. And how was Climate Pledge Arena? I felt like, you know, we were following along on the Preds Twitter. We were seeing all these awesome photos. It felt like the lighting was set up just to make these like player photos come out totally awesome. I mean, what was, what were your thoughts on the arena? Well, the arena itself, like I said, it's obviously brand new. So it's it's very nice. And, and you can tell just like, you know, someone like me or like either of you, we've been in enough, worked in enough hockey arenas before that it's you can always tell the ones that are newer where they've just put a little extra thought into certain logistical things like oh maybe there should be a designated hallway to the press elevator and things like that so you're not just guessing but um yeah that entrance hallway is is pretty unreal for for both teams i was talking to our social media manager last night and she was saying and I just I wish we could play every game here because the lighting just comes out so great. You know, even if you're just using a, a cell phone camera, like it looks professional. So, um, you know, it's they've got a great facility, great staff. I was telling Darren on the radio yesterday, the arena itself, like the ice and the seating bowl are actually underground. So from the outside, it doesn't really look that big. Um, that's because most of it is underground, but they really lean into the whole Kraken, you know, fear the deep thing. Their uh, hype video was like a feature length film. It was super long <laughs> with CGI and a Kraken tentacle coming out of the ice and everything. So um, they definitely, you know, they poured a lot of resources into that team and, and it shows. Did it feel louder then when it's like built in? It kind of reminds me of the University of New Mexico, like the Lobos, the pit, that their basketball court is built lower. So everybody comes up and it feels like the fans are like right on top of you. Yeah, it's kind of like um, I know Madison Square Garden is set up the same way where you're when you're up on the press level, there's sort of like a hallway behind the press box, but it's it's more of like a they call it the press bridge because it's open on one side and the fans are literally right there. And it, it's a weird kind of optical illusion because as you're standing on the press bridge, you look at the fans who are sitting right there and they're like, you're like, can they not see? Like, it seems like they're <laughs> right behind us. But, yeah. you know, the way that it's set up on the incline and everything, you know, it's they they can see. And, you know, they it is kind of cool. It's, you know, to be it's kind of why I like our press set up at Bridgestone Arena, too, because you're sort of in with the fans. You're, you're not too far distance from them. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely it makes it loud. It makes it a fun atmosphere. And. And for it being a new team, I mean, you you wouldn't guess it. Like the the fans are definitely very, very avid and and very into it. So unfortunately, UC Soros was the starting goaltender. Didn't finish the game. Uh, Kevin Lankinen would come in and finish things out. Uh, as I said, rough start in the first period. They were looking to get their first three game winning streak of the season, Emma. We know that didn't happen. Now you're at the very end, and boy, it just gets easier, huh? Colorado, the defending Stanley Cup champs to close out this very long road trip. But you were in the room afterwards, you know, on the team plane, and now you're you're in Denver. What what was your feel of the vibe of the team? Because things were good. They had the nice comeback in Vancouver, and they'd won previously before that, and so things felt like they were getting back on track, and then it got derailed in Seattle. What 
what was you know what was your vibe on their vibe i guess in the room afterwards uh well as you could imagine it was it was a pretty quiet flight to denver last night um but you know honestly even going you mentioned the vancouver game even going back to that you would think you know the and obviously the vibes were good they had won in a shootout but overall the the tone after that game was like we should have never let it get to that point. And, you know, it, it, we shouldn't have dug ourselves in a hole that early. And so that was something that, you know, they really wanted to focus on was like, yes, we won. That's great. But let's look at the process and, you know, we shouldn't have let ourselves get to that point. And then obviously, um, you know, the first period of the game in Seattle really just, you know, it, just got derailed very quickly. It got away from them very quickly. And, you know, he mentioned Soros getting pulled after he let in four goals. I think there was about three and a half minutes left in the first period when, when he was pulled. And, you know, I think you could argue that first goal that went in was on him. Um, the other three really were not if yeah. you, if you watch them, but at some point you need to, you need to, you know, make a change there, but there are some really costly turnovers in, in the first period and they led to some really good chances for the Kraken and they were able, I think this is a difference like we were talking about earlier from last year's Kraken team. This is a team that is able to be really opportunistic and capitalize on those chances, which they did. Um, so that's where, you know, maybe the overall play of, of the predators in the first period wasn't maybe the worst that we've seen, but the, the chances that they did give up, were grade A chances and you can't keep doing that. You can't give a team like that that many chances and expect to win. It feels, Emma, as if nobody's really hitting the panic button yet, right? And this team hasn't made excuses. I feel like um, I, I was reading your interview with uh, Roman Yossi after the game and he said, you know, it's just, it's things that we need to clean up. It, we had a good start and it's just getting back to executing correctly. Definitely. And I think, um, you know, again, going back to the Vancouver game, uh, I had spoken to Matthias Eckholm after that game and, and he said a, a similar thing to that. And the biggest thing is that this is a group, you know, it's a, obviously there's a mix of younger guys and older guys, but it's a largely veteran group. And it's a group that really holds themselves accountable for a lot. If you ask, John Hines, he'll tell you the same thing. He's like, I don't need to, you know, tell them um, or hold them accountable because they do it for themselves. And, and they, they really want to win, obviously. I mean, everyone does, but I think the biggest thing that, that John Hines mentioned after the Vancouver game was what, you know, kind of pulled them out of that game was the mental attachment and mental toughness that they had to that game, that real will to win. And that was clearly something that I don't think that they had lost in, in this game against Seattle. Like I said, it was just a, a you know, bunch of ill-timed chances uh, that they gave away early. Um, but, you know, if, if you look at the overall play of the game, I mean, penalties were down, um, you know, they were they were still they were still physical, but they weren't making, you know, 
silly penalties. And, and I think that, you know, and then you look at Kevin Lankinen who comes in and obviously not an ideal situation, but he was able to keep the, the score at, at four, you know, and, and kind of come in and do his job. And obviously the Kraken scored again on the empty net, but, you know, I think it's that, that mental piece is definitely there. Um, but it's like you said, it's things that they need to hold themselves accountable for and, and they need, and, and they know how to do that. As we wrap this up, how, how sick and tired do you think the players and John Hines are going to get uh, of the question about slow starts <laughs> you know they're gonna well, get tired of that question i can i can speak for myself and say i'm getting pretty tired of it um <laughs> because i i get a lot of people asking me that uh yeah. on social media and everything but you know it's i i have to give them a lot of credit it's one of the reasons that I, you know, I've, I've worked around other teams before and I really, really like working with John Hines and I respect him a lot because so many coaches will, you know, after losses, especially they'll give you very short, very generic answers. Um, and, you know, or just kind of vague things. If you ask why, what was your thought process here? Why did you do this? They'll, you know, they might just say like, well, it was a, personnel decision or something very vague like that. And one thing that I love about John Hines, you know, for me as a reporter is that he'll tell you like it, like he'll tell it like it is. And he is very open with his thought process on, on things. And and that's something that I don't think that he gets enough credit for really as, as a coach, you know, you look during, like you said, during the slow start, you see a lot of people on social media hitting the panic button, like we need to fire him, fire David Poyle, you know, just torch the whole thing to the ground. And um, it's something that, you know, it's something that I don't think people appreciate about him. But I think, you know, as, as far as the slow start, you know, it's, they, like I said, it's, there have been some tough losses, but they haven't all been the same type of loss you know some games like last night in seattle were given away early other times you know they give it away late like when they lost in columbus and so it's i think it's just about finding consistency and i think obviously it's it's still early i know it really doesn't feel like it um again especially for me when i feel like we were in Edmonton, you know, a year ago at this point, but it is still pretty early in the season. And so, you know, it's, it's about this group trying to gel and trying to, to find some consistency there. So I would, I would urge fans as well, not to hit the panic button yet. Um, I understand, obviously it's, it's not fun when the team's losing. It's sure not fun for those of us covering the team either. So um, we, you know, but I can see that, you know, the, the will to win is there and the, the desire to work hard is there. And, um, you know, they're, they're willing to try different things to make that happen. I've got really good news for you to close this out. After the game in Colorado, to close out the month, eight of nine at home. So just one road trip for you. Just one. That's it. And up and back. <laughs> I think it's Detroit. Yes. And the rest, it's it all is. home the rest of the way, Emma, in the month of November. So. There's your good yes. news, <laughs> and I'm sure very you, excited for I was that. Say, yes. I'm sure you've already looked at that, but I just wanted yes. to pass that along. 
Well, hey. <laughs> we're in uh i know we had we're in detroit the day before thanksgiving yes. but yeah other than that it's nice nice to be at home you know i'll be honest i wish that maybe we didn't have a game this saturday right after we get back from colorado but um that's you know that's okay it's always nice to to have a game at home and and you know be back in in a familiar place well uh enjoy the game in colorado to close out this very long road trip thanks for doing this as always and uh, we'll talk soon all right thank you guys that is emma lingan who is out in colorado avs preds thursday night to close out this road trip we will come back and we will talk to Stu grimson the grim reaper he's got a little nugget for us right out of the gates you're going to want to hear this that's all next here on the predators official podcast Back here on the Predators official podcast, as promised, Darren McFarland, Carrie Hammer here with you. We told you in the first segment, we're going to catch up with former Predator. He's now with the NHL Network. And boy, does he have something big coming up that he's going to reveal to us. It's going to be really, really cool. And he is none other than Stu Grimson, the Grim Reaper, if you read his book. We'll get into that in just a moment. Stu, how are we doing? We're great. We're great. How are you, Darren? Doing fantastic. I learned something that I did not know, and I should have known. Just trying to, you know, match things up. That you, you can't, have, you can't know everything. You can't know everything. But I thought it was incumbent upon me to mention it. Yes, and you, and I was like, really? Oh, yeah. You have never. You and Kara have never met. We have never. I've watched her work, and she does <laughs> fabulous work uh, covering this. Uh, this Predators team, uh, but no, Kara and I have never worked. I was kind of on my way out the door, and she was on her way in the door back in 1617 when the Preds went to the finals. So, uh, hey, Kara, great to meet you, and pleasure to be on with you. And let me tell you directly, you do you do a great job making uh, this, this game, this team, more palatable to all these great fans out there in Smashville. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I am... Um... Wow, I, I feel like it's kind of crazy that we've never met. You know, you talk about your last season right when I was coming in. Obviously, I covered the team. I used to work at News 2 from yeah. a local standpoint. But really, you know, we just we just never, our worlds never crossed. Yeah. Well, here we are colliding on a podcast. <laughs> and and Kara was, you know, watching your work, Stu, when you were with yeah. the team because she was here locally working for a, a local TV station So and covering the team. So, yeah. Just, but it was weird that you two, your paths never crossed. Interesting. Yeah, just never crossed, never introduced. But uh, glad we took care of that now. Thank you, Darren. Yeah, and a pleasure to be with you both. Yeah, thank you for doing this. And and Kara, we talked about it in one of the earlier podcasts around the the POP, and I told you that I did something I hadn't done in in almost a decade, and that was sit in the stands and with my wife and my son, which you know, usually I'm working. And so that was a completely, since he's been born, it was the first time I actually sat in the stands. And on that night, Kara, we were down in the, in the Lexus lounge, which by the way is so nice. And I feel like I have to talk like that when I'm talking about the Lexus lounge, because it is so nice down there. I ran into Stu and his lovely wife, and they had just—I had just seen them on the jumbotron uh, on Fang Vision, and I was like, "Oh, Stu's in the house." And then a little bit later, ran into him, and I was like, "Yeah, I knew you were here, Stu. I just didn't know where to find you because I saw you on on Fang Vision." Yeah. But um, we got to talking during one of the intermissions, and 
it really hatched this appearance. Not that this wouldn't have happened anyway, but man, did he drop something in my lap that really, really intrigued me. And I just want people to know because, Stu, we're what, about three weeks away from from that dropping? Uh, it might be a little more. Uh, I'm just looking up on the calendar here. Yeah, Simpsons, the uh, Top Goon Academy episode airs on uh, December 11th. Uh, this came to me, Kara, uh, as I mentioned to, to Darren, out of nowhere, the, the Simpsons creative team reached out to the NHL network. Hey, we'd really like Stu to be involved in uh, an upcoming episode. It'll air again on December the 11th. But the whole premise is Bart is a great little hockey player. Um, Bart keeps getting banged around by some of the players on the other team, so he's not able to be his best version of himself on the ice. So they decide to send some of his teammates out to Top Goon Academy to, uh, you know, to, to help them kind of protect Bart a little better when he's on the ice. So I play myself as one of the instructors at Top Goon Academy. Um, Dave the Hammer Schultz from an era before mine will be on there. And Tiger Williams will be on there as well. Dave Tiger Williams. Two uh, notorious kind of tough guy types from the 70s and 80s. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. My kids are just dying to see what I look like when I'm Simpsonized. As am I, but a uh, a pretty unique opportunity anyway. So I'm really looking forward to it. Take us through the process. I mean, how did like like how this created? I mean, do you fly out? Where where did you go? Did you have to like track your voice? I mean, what what kind of were the steps? Yeah, well, um, thanks for asking. So I, I originally got a script as part of the you know me agreeing to do it. Part of that the early stage, the origins of the kind of the arrangement. So I, I got a version of the script. I have, you know, several speaking lines in it. Um, when Bart and the guys are interacting with us at Top Goon Academy, um, you know, it, just as an aside, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't pay a great deal. I would have done it for nothing <laughs> if uh, if they had asked. So, you know, I, I think I was saying yes before, um, before I even knew what I was supposed to say or what I was going to be making for it. And um, so, you know, from that point, uh, you know, okay, yes, glad to, signed up. Uh, it was several weeks later. They were able to connect me with a, um, a recording studio here in Nashville, showed up at the recording studio a little bit um, out of sorts, like, I know what these lines are I'm supposed to be saying, but give me give me some inspiration here. Like, I don't, you know, I just, I, I, I don't know that I know enough just to read these lines into a microphone, and that's going to somehow be, um, you know, a fit for my episode. Well, all that quickly was laid to rest and it was a really neat experience. So I'm on the recording part of the glass inside the studio. The controller engineer is on the other side. He's kind of working with me to ensure that, you know, the um, the voiceover piece goes without uh, any difficulty. But the neat part about it was I'm on a Zoom call, much like the one we're on right now with a more expanded panel, the entire creative team, the producer, the writer, um, all these guys um, are on this Zoom call with me and giving me feedback as I kind of go through these lines. And of course, they're all big hockey fans. 
Um, you know, I'd love to say at the moment I was a huge Simpsons fan, but I've been aware of it since forever. And I've certainly watched it over the years. But it was just a, a really, you know, neat moment, neat process to go through. And and really, other than going out to California for the premiere, which Darren and I talked about a few weeks ago when we ran into each other, and that was a kick too. Jen and I went out for the season uh, premiere of The Simpsons and got to interact with a lot of the the folks that, uh, you know, that, that are the reason the show um, goes off the way that it does. Uh, that was that was about it. It was it was really pretty straightforward. Did they tell you, Stu, how I mean, they narrowed down to three guys, obviously, for Top Goon Academy. Uh, yeah. Hockey's been around for a long time. There's been fighting for a long time in the sport. How did you get on this list? Like, I think that is so cool that yeah. you know you know i didn't uh they they didn't mention much about that if, if i had uh, just kind of reading the tea leaves and if you look at the you know the guys the other two members of this panel darren that i'm working with i think they really wanted guys that you know yes they were heavyweight enforcer types but they had a bit of a maybe a brand or a moniker associated with them dave the hammer schultz yeah. dave tiger williams Stu the grim reaper grimson i mean these are you know um whether they were you know the the premier tough guys when they played seemed to be a, a little bit irrelevant it was more a function of you know, these guys had a little pop, a little sizzle, a little a little nickname associated with their their on ice persona. So, it, again, if I'm reading the tea leaves, I suspect that's why they selected the three guys that they did. Was it your first ever voiceover work? I read my book. I did. I did the voice work for uh, the Reluctant Warrior. Um, but I will say between The Simpsons and my, you know, the the audio portion of my book that's about the only voiceover stuff i've ever done that you know has been circulated on a on a good size scale yeah so you don't have anything so you don't get to visualize anything so when you watch this on december 11th you're gonna organically see it for the first right for the first time like what you did like they can tell you like this is what's happening and this is how you need to sound but you didn't really have anything to go off of other than what they were telling you, right? Not really, no. And we did, you know, for for most of my lines, we did many, many, many takes. Um, And, you know, the feedback I'm getting, for instance, uh, I'm trying to envision in my head what this scene would look like on, you know, in the cartoon um, context, but it's, it's difficult to envision. But, you know, again, the creative team, Joel Cohen, the writer that that, you know, actually worked the three of us into this episode, you know, tr- Stu, try and imagine. Let's try it once now. Remember, you're, you're talking to a little kid and you're you're maybe a little bit fed up with this kid's lack of understanding. So, you know, I'm getting feedback like this as I go. But that's that's the extent of it. I'm curious. Did you memorize your lines or did you have to read them? <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, I had a, a version of the script right beside, um, you know, kind of the area where I was working. So there, there was, there was no memory involved, not at all. Any improvisation at all? Any improv? (laughs) A little bit in terms of, um, I, I never really improvised in terms of the written line. I was, I was being asked to, to say, 
uh, to read. But, you know, I try and work in maybe a different tone or emphasize a different word from time to time. Um, Darren, as, as it's become very clear, ultra novice in the voiceover space. So I was trying to pretty much just stay in my lane. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Stu Crimson, former Predator, uh, former broadcast on the broadcast team that we talked about now with the NHL Network. You're already a large man, Stu. Do you feel like this episode, when it comes out, your head is going to get bigger? Is your wife, are you warning her? Is, is Jen talking to you like, hey, man, we don't need big head syndrome in this house? Like, how's the dialogue in the Grimson household leading up to this episode going? Well, the dialogue in the Grimson household is a lot like the dynamic in the Grimson household. Jen can at times be my biggest fan. And at the same time, she does a great job of keeping me very grounded. So <laughs> she strikes a nice balance there. I have no trouble staying humble in spite of the fact that I'm going to be Simpsonized. I have, I have no trouble. Uh, you get asked to take the garbage out enough and, you know, it, it, gives, you pretty good sense. Yeah. it gives you a pretty good sense of, uh, where you rank totem pole wise in the Grimson household. Do you think, has there been any hint that there could be more than one episode or do you think this is going to oh, be gosh. a one-off? I think it's a one-off. I really do. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it may go over huge and perhaps they, you know, they, they, they work something into uh, another year's worth of episodes uh there's another cameo maybe somewhere down the road but no mention of anything to this point um uh, so i i you know i i'm keeping my expectations um this is this is probably just a one-off yeah i don't see i don't see me putting a homer or bart out of a job darren <laughs> i i'm fascinated to see this by the way i cannot wait it should be a lot December of fun 11. it should be really good yeah. it should be really good December 11th. It'll, be fun to, it'll be fun to see you know kind of hockey imposed into the the simpsons you know folklore or or context for lack of a better way to describe it i think it'll just be fun to see bart and his buddies um on skates i think it's ultimately it's good for the game it gives us exposure to maybe a different audience and um I, I think it'll just be everybody seems to be bent on having a whole lot of fun with it. And I think that's, you know, that's what the Simpsons is all about. Darren, they've been around for in case we don't get a chance to say it 34 years. There is no Amazing. longer running television series in the history of making television. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? Very crazy to Kara, Watch what I do here. Now I'm going to put Stu on the spot. So <laughs> you've been a player You've been a broadcaster. You're on television on the NHL network, breaking things down daily or weekly. You've been a, you're an author. Mostly just breaking things. Mostly <laughs> breaking things. Yeah. You've got a book out, The Grim Reaper, and you're about to be a part of an episode, Top Goon Academy on The Simpsons, which is so cool. So that's a, that's a lot of boxes checked. Is there one other box like you? In your mind, you're like, man, I sure would love to do this. You know, nothing really comes to mind. Nothing really comes to mind. Um, I will so I will say though, you gave me you gave me kind of a 
something you said triggered in my mind. I'm fond of the alliteration, right? So as you reference kind of the path I've taken in life, athlete, attorney. I should have said attorney, yep. Analyst, athlete, attorney, analyst. And now I can add, oh, uh, sorry, author. And now as a fifth, I can add animated, animated, (laughs) (laughs) animated character. Now that for what it's worth, but no, I, I, I honestly, Darren, if something came my way, it might awaken a, you know, uh, a desire to to go off in a different direction. And it's not like I started out in life that I'm going to try it my hand at all these things and and reinvent myself several times before I'm, uh, you know, before I leave the planet. Uh, it's been a whole lot of fun. I sure never envisioned a lot of it. But, um, you know, I suspect if something else in keeping with the the a alliteration does come up, um, you know, it'll it'll be it'll it'll come to me out of nowhere, perhaps. Well, Stu, I, I feel like that was a very satisfying answer. <laughs> well, I said I was putting you on the spot. So, yeah, you really were. I did. But I, put I you still on don't feel like that was a very satisfying answer. I don't I just at bottom, Darren, I don't know. Sorry, Kara, go ahead. What was your question? You know what we can do, Kara? We can invite Stu back sometime after the episode airs. He's had time to think about that question, and maybe he'll have a, you know, another answer. You know? Yeah. Who knows? How, about, how about architect? Architect, Art Vandalay. <laughs> George Costanza, Art Vandalay was the architect. Maybe I'd do that. Design something to build. There you go. Well, talking about building the Preds are, I don't feel like they're really in a a rebuild this season. You know, a lot of the veteran guys have been back, but I'm curious to what are your thoughts on the team so far today? I mean, are you still following along? Do you still watch the Predators now that you have moved to the NHL network and yeah, yeah, I do. And thanks for asking, Kara. Um, you know, I, I cover all the teams, of course, now in my role at NHL Network. And because the Preds are right here in my backyard, of course, you know, I pay special attention to the Preds. I, I think there's a lot to be excited about this team based on what they did last year. I think the, the challenge they're having to this point, and I've made this point plenty of times on, um, on the national broadcast, you know, you look back at last year, Yossi, and Darren, I think you and I talked about this, career year for Yossi, career year for Duchesne. Ryan Johansson might have played his best hockey last year since coming over as a Nashville Predator. Yossi Saros was in the running for the Vezina. Tanner Janot burst onto the scene making all kinds of noise. It's really hard for even a handful of guys to, to replicate that kind of magic in a bottle season um, year after year or in successive years. So, you know, if you don't have some other guys kind of stepping up and providing that um, or those guys maintaining kind of a baseline near what they accomplished in a prior year, it makes it really hard to, uh, to do what you did a prior year or to, to add to what you did in a, a, in a in a succeeding year. So I think that's part of what they're dealing with right now. And two, when you've kind of had a solid year, when you've maybe exceeded expectations, you know, there can be a little bit of complacency that kind of creeps into camp. Um, and even if that's just a, you know, 5% per player, you spread that across, you know, 20, uh, 18 skaters and two goaltenders across, 
you know, an entire roster, it can have an impact on you. Um, we're early in the year. I don't write these guys off yet. I think Coach Hines is is a, a very capable uh, communicator, a great um, motivator, and a guy that's got a pretty good pulse for where this team is at. I think there's plenty of time for them to get it turned around, but there is plenty of reason to be concerned about, you know, where they're at over the first dozen or so games and add to that too, Kira. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know when you start out playing your first two plus, because there was exhibition overseas as well. When you end up kind of starting on a different continent, coming back and then trying to get into that, you know, NHL routine again, that can be unsettling for a group. So I think, I think the way they started out this year, in addition to some of these other things that I've referenced, I think that's part of the explanation. They are where they are as we speak. Stu, 13 games in, everybody can say it's still early in an 82-game season. You've been through the, the ebbs and flows of a long hockey season as a player. When is it no longer early on in the season? Like, you know, do you, you break things down in quarters? So when is it no longer, well, it's, you know, still early. We got plenty of time. When do – I don't want to say hit the panic button, but when do players start and coaches start really ramping up the message and saying, hey, guys, it's it's time to get going? Yeah, I, I think uh, and I heard you say this in, you know, as part of your question to me, Darren, for me and having been around the game for a good long while, once you kind of get to that quarter mark or a third of the season is under your belt you know, and and you aren't kind of where you need to be. And for the Preds, I think, you know, realistically, they need to be around the cutoff line, the Western Conference cutoff line. They they would aspire to be or think they're they're built in such a way that the expectation is such that they should be around the cutoff line or better based on what they did last year. I think that concern starts to really ratchet up around the quarter mark if you're not there. And, you know, you've seen a full-blown trend of, you know, um, just 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 not playing the kind of hockey that they're, they're capable of. I, I think 20 to, say, 30, 32 games into it, it's, it's, time to, it's time to start looking at maybe, you know, personnel changes or system changes if you haven't executed already. Do you feel like this is the point of the season? And Stu, you've, you've played on other teams in the NHL. You've moved around. But when you have guys come in, you know, you look at Ryan McDonough, Nino Nino Ryder, two new faces in the locker room. How long does it take for guys to kind of mesh and you become one unit? Does that happen right away? Or are they still all kind of trying to feel each other out? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I really don't. It's a great question, but I don't. I really don't feel like there's kind of a one size fits all answer because it, you know, it depends on the the number and and the type of player, uh, the the character associated with any player that you're 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 integrating into a new roster, and it depends on the kind of guys on the current roster that was, that are absorbing these these new players. So, you know, it has a lot to do with a lot of different things. Um, you, you know, I, I look at a club like Jersey, for instance, right now. New Jersey has, I think, really exceeded anybody's expectations. But guys like uh, Andre Palat have kind of stepped right into the mix, had a real impact there. Um, 
and and in other areas, you know, I think the Preds being a, probably a pretty good example at the other end of the spectrum, uh, as solid, uh, you know, a couple of guys like Niederreiter and and McDonough. I mean, these are these are war horses. These are guys that are they have been they have provided tried and tested service to their respective clubs just about wherever they've been. Um, but you know, it's it doesn't seem to be meshing for the group at this point. And that's no knock on on McDonough or on Niederreiter because Niederreiter, in my estimation, is off to a really solid start. Um, it just doesn't seem to have transmitted across the entire roster for whatever reason. And really the explanation, the fault probably lies more with the the personnel of the current roster than it does the guys that are being integrated. So um I, I don't know. I find that a hard question to answer because it really depends on, you know, it depends on a lot of a lot of different factors, if that makes sense. Last yeah. night, last night, a tough one, Stu, for the Preds in Seattle ah. against the Kraken. And Seattle's first year, their inaugural year last year, they weren't able to make the big splash like Vegas. So it was a it was a disappointing year because they had those unfair expectations but it looks like in year two, again, early on, they've won now five in a row. They look like a different team. Are you buying that this Kraken team can stay a contender all season long? Yeah, I, I think that would be a leap for me. I'm not sure, given the personnel, that it's sustainable. But I leave room for, and our sport has proven year after year, Darren, there's always two or three teams that, gosh, we never would have predicted them to finish this high. We never would have predicted them to finish this this low. You know, it, the, the NHL season is just that. It's incredibly unpredictable. But I, I will say this, um, anytime a club like the Kraken can, you know, in in distinct and a predictable way, kind of take a step forward each year, which appears to be what they're doing, I, I consider that a victory. I, I consider that a victory really with respect to the growth of just about just about any club. So I think the Kraken are uh, an example of, and let me just maybe back up a step because you mentioned it of kind of upfront in your comment. I don't know that it's it's fair to this group to to really compare itself to to Vegas, who in my estimation was, you know, that was that was kind of a once in a lifetime uh, season they had. Um, I, I think what we're seeing where the Kraken is concerned is really more realistic, even though, you know, expansion today goes by a different set of rules, a different set of rules than my mighty ducks were subject to, for example. So I, I think this team is headed in the right direction. I think the management, the coaching staff uh, and the, 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 the player personnel um, are really have it going in the right direction. Um would it surprise me if they finished in the top eight? Um, I, I think it would. I think it would, just given the way the team is built and the way the West uh, appears to be a little more competitive this year. We're seeing Winnipeg kind of step up. We're seeing um, Dallas add to what they did last year. Um, you know, I think Vegas is playing truer to form this year. So I think there are some teams kind of crowding out the top eight that didn't last year necessarily. Um, make it harder for 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 Seattle to finish in the top eight. 
But I think they're really, I, th- I see them taking a step forward, if that makes sense. They're going to wrap up this long road trip in Denver against Colorado, the defending Stanley Cup champs. It's tough. That's a, that's a snap. Yeah, what's that's the big deal, right? Yeah, mail, mail it in. <laughs> I mean, you don't need your A game. You can, you can, you know, just go through the motions and, and come away with the victory. We know they're, they're good again. We know how difficult it is to repeat. Tampa did it. It's, again, early. They're not lighting the world on fire, but we all know they're still extremely talented. Do you still think they're the team to beat in the West as we sit here in mid-November? You know, it's a great question. I think there are some teams that are showing they're they're capable of, you know, and, and two, let's, let's make this point. It's a lot harder to predict – you know, who comes out on top in the context of a seven-game series, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, than it is, in my estimation, who finishes high during the regular season. But, you know, there's some clubs in the West that I think are going to make for a tougher road for Colorado. I've mentioned Dallas already. I think they've taken a pretty bold step forward. I've really been strong on that team. Vegas, to me... Uh, having added Eichel, they're far healthier than they were. If you remember last year, they were incredibly banged up through the first three, maybe pushing four months of the season. And I mean, key personnel out of the mix. They appear to have put all that behind them. They're getting some really solid goaltending in spite of the fact that Leonard's not available. Vegas should should have something to say about where Colorado shakes out in all this as well. Let's wrap up with this to Top Goon Academy, the Simpsons episode. It airs December 11th. Are you having a red carpet party? If so, are we invited? Uh, how's this going to work? Come on down. I, I, <laughs> I think the kids and I and Jen and I are going to be away uh, for that. I think we're going to be we're, uh, vacationing during the first, the second week in December, actually. So we're going to try to have a little viewing party while we're out there um so that's that's the plan at this point there's nothing super formal coming together but uh i'm really looking forward to it it should be a lot of fun i can't wait to see my kids reaction when <laughs> they they see it all play out they're, they're gonna have a lot of fun with it that is gonna be priceless for sure hey great catching up with you thanks so much for doing this we're really excited about this and uh we will we'll uh we'll circle back around once it airs and uh sure. we'll just talk about uh how that experience went and what was the reaction of yeah. the family you can, uh, you can give me notes you can give me notes on how i fared <laughs> all right we'll do that Stu. thanks so much for doing this great to see you and we'll talk to you down the road keep up the good work that's great great to be with both of you all right that is Stu grimson the Grim Reaper. You should also get his book if you haven't checked it out. He is a fine author as well. Remember, Top Goon Academy, The Simpsons, that episode airs December 11th. We'll come back. More of the Predators official podcast on the other side. Back here on the Predators official podcast, Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer. Kara, that was fun. That was fun with Stu. You know, nobody wanted to play against him because, you know, he's a large man. He's got meat hooks yeah. for hands and you know, if he drops the mitts, like that's just a bad place to be. But talking to Stu off the ice, he's such a nice guy, smart guy. That was a lot of fun. And I'll tell you what, I'm a little envious. Wouldn't we all like to have a Simpsons episode where we were a character? Like that would be so much. That would be so cool. 
like, I just wonder, like, what goes through your mind when you're like, okay, we're going to make you into a character, <laughs> you know? And then like, what are you thinking? Or, well, are they going to make, you know, that you talked about like his big head. Yes. Like, what's happening now? Yes. Well, I was fascinated when I ran into him at the home opener against the stars and he told me this and I was just like, what? Like, that is so cool. Um, and so I was glad he was able to, to forge a little time for us and uh, a good conversation with Stu Grimson. So we appreciate him to remember that. That episode will air December 11th, Top Goon Academy. The Simpsons, that show has been running for 34 years. That's amazing. 34 wow. years. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into, you know, what's, what's happened in 34 years a lot. My hair was a lot darker. But let's talk. You know what? Maybe the hair was darker for a lot of these players on this road trip, right? By the time they get back, maybe it's going to be a little lighter. I mean, this road trip, as we talked to Emma early in the podcast, is a long one. But, you know, you know this road trip. It's every year, this time of year. This is what they do. But something that we can talk about, Emma said, I wish, you know, we're turning around right off this road trip and playing at home. But it'll be Saturday night in Smashville against the Rangers. But you know, Kara, we've been around coaches long enough. You always think, oh, you're back at home, great. No, coaches hate that first home game off a long road trip. Well, they do. I think you hear it all the time, Darren, you just said it, but it's it's one of the coaches' biggest nightmares because you come home, you've been on the road, and then you get in your routine of being on the road. Then you gotta come back home and the players have to switch gears into being in the routine of being at home you know you gotta come home you gotta take care of things around the house it's you're catching up with your wife and your family and then you got to get back into still hockey mode so it's always that first game back you never really know how it's gonna go distractions that's the key word you get home there's distractions you're out on the road it's just business right but you get home it's distractions but we'll see uh how that all plays out it's we talked about this with Stu a little bit Kara it's it is still early, but with that being said, in the room, you know that they're still going, hey, yeah, it may be early. We can only say that for so long, mm-hmm. but you know they're ready to get things going. I mean, you know the Predators are having this discussion. Look, the Blues right now, they're sitting in a spot nobody thought they would be in. They're sitting bottom of the division, and so I'm sure they're having those talks too, but, you know, they know that you know they're going to have to get this thing going the right direction. There's been a lot of mistakes, a lot of turnovers, a lot of things that have transpired in these first games that they'll have to clean up if they do want to get going in the right direction. On a positive, they're 13 games into the season, and Stu said you really don't judge it until you hit the quarter mark. Yep. So they have some time to kind of figure things out. Um, you just you kind of wonder when they're going to stop playing off of the. Europe hangover or starting the first two games on the road, there has to come a point in the season where you say, okay, we're past that. One thing they, I think they have learned, and I think we may have already knew this, Kara, going into the road trip, but now maybe it's really been, I don't know, rubber stamped or an exclamation point. I think they really have a backup goaltender they can trust, right, in any spot. I mean, Kevin Lankinen has played really well. He has, and it's a, it's a inspiring to have him come in. You know, Emma just touched on it, that he he kept them at four goals. Obviously, that it might have been a different outcome had they not given up four goals in the first period. 
But um, I, I think it's solid knowing that the Preds have a secondary goaltender that can come in. Yep, and we talked about Philip Forsberg was the lone goal. Uh, he now has five on the year. They still need to get more production. Stu brought it up. I know we've talked about it on this podcast since we've been doing it. A lot of magical years last year, and it's hard to duplicate that, right? It's hard to come back and do that again. But with that being said, I know maybe you can't count on 43 goals and 42 goals and you know all these 100 points for Roman Yossi or close to it. But those are guys they have to have night in and night out, right? They have the big contracts. They're paid well because – they're superior athletes, and they're guys that they're depending to get a lot of production out of. Yeah. I think a- another player to, to look at is Tanner Juno. You, you know, like last season, I believe it was 18 goals. He's had one goal to start this season, but he's contributing in other areas. We really saw in that Vancouver game. He came in, had the big hit, got things kind of turned around. But, Darren, I think it's finding ways for guys to contribute in other areas and uh, get this team rolling. Another fun one. We'll see if we get invited back next week. I, I you know, <laughs> I'm excited either way. I, I hope so. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully you'll check out the episode on December 11th. Um, and hopefully this team will get things going. But it's, it is not going to be easy in Colorado, as we know. The Avs are very good. Uh, we know that. Yeah, I know they had some losses. You know, Kadri's playing, you know, in a different place. He's in Calgary. But, look, they're still – Really, really potent team, and uh, the Predators will have to be on their A game if they want to come away with some points, uh, especially two points in Denver. Kara, thank you so much, as always, and uh, look forward to doing it again next week. All right, we'll see you next week. For Kara Hammer and Patton Cook over there, spinning the dials, Emma Lingen for joining us out in Colorado, Stu Grimson, our very special guest, talking about all things Grim Reaper. I'm Darren McFarland. Hope you enjoyed it. You've been listening to the Predators official podcast.